I'm Lucas. And I'm Julia. We are the European Union Youth Delegates at the United Nations. If you want to know more about what's going on in the world from a UN and EU perspective, listen to thought-provoking talks in our podcast, Who Rules the World? Welcome to this episode of Who Rules the World podcast. In this episode, our guest is Marian Abukayo Murunga, a young activist and professional that committed to fostering youth engagement in decision-making processes. Marian is passionate about young people and their effective participation in development process. She has over five years of work experience in the youth space shaping policies at local, national and international level. She is the co-founder of the Border Hub, a young women-led initiative, non-profit organization founded in 2020. And she also has been part of the first cohort of the European Union Youth Sounding Board, where together with 24 young people drawn from across the globe, she has played a key role in championing for youth policies at the global level. So, Marian, how did you become an activist? Uh, thank you, Julia, for having me. Uh, I started my activism journey back in 2017 uh, when I was just joining uh, 2012 when I was joining university. And I remember back in my community, girls were being given less priority in terms of education. They're not going to school. And that is where my activism began. I was actually among the first 10 girls to get to uni in my village. And I used that opportunity to start mentoring girls in my community, you know, providing a space for them to access information on sexual reproductive health, because then teenage pregnancies was something that was really on the rise. And it was caused by lack of information among our girls. And every time I came home during the school holiday, I used to get to churches, have a meeting, have a peer-to-peer -peer engagement with my girls. And I remember one of the holy days, we did a sanitary towel campaign because we felt like a lot of girls had gone, you know, had been impregnated. And the issue was that lacked sanitary towels. And we started designing key messages on placards, you know, messages like um, education is our right, you know, uh, provide us sanitary towels. And we did a whole campaign of mobilizing sanitary towels from key leaders from community leaders who by the end of the day were able to really contribute to our kitty. And so I can say my activism began back then and it's really been shaped by my personal experiences. I have very lived experiences for that. And also just based on the fact that I come from a very marginalized community, which, you know, uh, considers still women and girls as, you know, they should not go to school. They should be married off at an early age. So I think that is where it began. And I slowly got to university. And so I got into full full time activism where I now vied for student politics. And I felt like my position would enable me to further advocate for the rights of women and girls at the university who are mostly, um, you know, uh, who are mostly at the forefront in terms of issues of even pregnancies, lack of access to basic uh, needs. And so that is where it started. And I started making networks. I started engaging with key stakeholders in the uni. And they were able to give me a platform. I did my activism through writing. I did my activism through um, getting into le lecture sessions and just engaging with the students. 
and slowly it you know it it's bad fruits because i was able to engage with students one-on-one -on -one, understand their real needs but also sit with them and collectively work out on solutions so i must say it it began uh, quite at an early stage and where i am today i think i'm proud because then it started back then when uh, I just had that one opportunity to be in school, and so I started giving back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your answer, and we're really glad that you started with your activism. Um, so you have many years of experience in implementing projects for women, girls, and young people, as you already said. But how do you draft and implement a project? Yeah, so um, I, I run an organization and it's called the Border Hub. We are located in the Kenya-Uganda border of Busia. And one thing about us is that community is really at the center of our programming. And by community, I mean uh, the, the community we work in. And most of the time we make sure that communities are involved right from the designing stage all the way to the monitoring and evaluation. And mostly what we do, uh, whenever we want to start projects, we, only, we always engage communities. Communities might include the youth that we are working with, the women or the girls that we are working with, just so that by the end of the day, we are really able to understand the needs, the real needs and challenges, so that even as we get into the implementation phase, we are addressing issues that were raised by the community at the onset. And so our mode of implementing projects is mostly driven by a needs assessment that then informs the implementation that then goes into the monitoring and evaluation. And consistently, constantly we involve our partners. We don't call them beneficiaries because by the end of the day, we see them as partners to our work. We involve them at every stage. Whenever the project is not achieving its goal, we have a meeting, we have a community engagement, even at the community level, just so that we can be able to understand what needs to be done where, what needs to change where, so that by the end of the day, we are not implementing a project just for the sake of the donor, but we are also implementing it for the benefit of the community. And always towards the end of any implementation, we always do an end line, you know, an end line, uh, monitoring and evaluation where we engage the community seek to understand what good the project has done what are some of the key achievements what are some of the key challenges but also what more can be done and so systematically over the years uh, that has been the practice with us and I think that practice has really enabled us to have a very strong community around us because then they own the project itself, you know, they're able to contribute to the ideas because by the end of the day, the community really understands their issues. And so once you involve them, it becomes even easier, you know, to implement any kind of a project with different solutions. Speaking of projects, you meet um, a lot of um, young people in your activities, but sometimes young people have uh, projects in their minds, but they don't know where to start. What can you say to them? What What are your suggestions and um, um, yeah, your suggestions to those young people? Okay, Julia, I think I'm also one of those young persons. And I think one of the things I always tell the youth is start. 
I mean, once you press the start button, then everything flows because I think we are used to, we are socialized to really procrastinate. You know, you want to start a podcast, but you say you'll start tomorrow, you'll start next year, you'll start next week. And there's one person out there who, is, who, who even has half of your abilities, half of your skills, and they're really shining at whatever they are doing. And so to every young person out here, I would encourage you to start, press the start button, get started. There's a common quote that says, start, uh, even if you're afraid, start, even if you're not ready, start, even if you're not prepared, just start. Because by the end of the day, you get to learn on the job. So should you have any idea, should you have anything? Once you write it down, you start to visualize. Once you start to visualize, then you start to manifest. Once you manifest, then I think you should get ready to get the work done. So I think for me, uh, one is to start, start, start. Do not wait to get ready to start. Uh, get to spaces and build the right networks that can be of value to your project or your idea. Do not fear failure, but please be afraid of not wanting to try. Because I know a lot of young people, and sometimes even as human beings, we 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 fear to try things. You know, we we don't want to risk. But by the end of the day, it's after risking that you know something works, something doesn't. So to every young person that out there, be proactive, press the start button, and don't wait to get it all together. Just go and go with the flow. Like yeah. Thank you, Marion. That's such a powerful message. And I'm sure that our listeners are um, agreeing with you in uh, fighting procrastination and just press the button. Um, so the European Union Youth Delegates Programme cooperates with the EU Youth Sounding Board. Can you tell, uh, tell our listeners what the Youth Sounding Board is and what your experience is? Yeah, so I had an amazing experience at the Youth Sounding Board. I, I got into it uh, during COVID and the last three years serving at the board has been so fulfilling. It's been so mind-opening and also challenging, you know, in a positive way. And so the Youth Sounding Board is a group of young people who advise the Commissioner uh, on youth participation and empowerment in EU external action. And so basically it's a co-creation space, allowing young people to influence decisions that are made at the EU external action. And my experience has really been so fulfilling because I've had hands-on experience just uh, contributing to the Global Youth Action Plan that was, you know, adopted by the EU. We've also contributed into, we've consulted young people across the globe on the needs and challenges that affect the youth. And that led into a meaningful youth report that is being referenced by the EU. And so we've done quite a lot in terms of amplifying and really positioning youth, you know, at the global level. So I was saying uh, before I got into the youth sounding board, I had very little experience on issues around policy and how young people are supposed to engage or rather influence. But I realized one of the roles of the youth sounding board was, you know, influencing policies at the global level and now cascading it to the country level. 
And so my experience at the YSB was so fulfilling and also very informative, uh, educational in many ways, because we, we were able to directly engage with the youth, engage with key stakeholders, gathering their voices. First for the youth, we wanted to understand what are the needs. And we did this in different countries, you know, uh, across the world where members were coming from and even, you know, countries that were not represented, gathering youth voices and just finding out what are the really pressing challenges. And after that, we developed a meaningful youth report that then led to the development of the Global Youth Action Plan. We also engaged with key stakeholders at the European Parliament who are able to share with us some of their insights and also some of their priorities on youth engagement. So I can say the Youth Sounding Board is a very, it's a very good space for the youth. But at the end of the day, not everybody might be represented there because it's only 25 young people. But I would encourage any young person to keep doing, to keep engaging on youth issues at the local, national and global level and see how they can collectively tap into the Youth Sounding Board, even without being members but just you know learn from it adopt what are, what is happening and also see how they can contribute to the implementation of the global youth action plan because it was it was adopted it is now the implementation phase how do we how do we young people who are not even part of the board uh, contribute to the implementation is by making sure that we are strengthening our initiatives at the local level and really amplifying them partner with youth networks and also engaging uh, key stakeholders yeah so you you thought um talked about values and policies how do you spread the values of justice democracy and equality in your country thank you so uh one um i'm a human rights defender and uh coming from a community where the rights of women and girls are mostly violated I'm at the forefront sensitizing communities using every other platform, you know, using local radio stations, using working together with artists and, you know, displaying messages that encourage, um, you know, the rights of women and girls, the respect of the rights of women and girls. And we've done a lot of civic education to our community, just making sure they're well informed because then lack of information is a key challenge among our community members. Also, um, we do a lot of civic education on uh, voting rights uh, because then it's democracy. We encourage, we, we encourage our communities to always and always express uh, their choices, express their rights through voting, express who they really want uh, to be leaders in their communities because then democracy starts by them, you know, choosing who they want, because they'd want to sit back and relax, but you tell them everything happens at the ballot, you know, education happens at the ballot. When today you vote for the right leader, then you're sure that your children will be educated in the next 10 or 20 years. And so without voting, then you're negating that right for your child. And so we do a lot of civic education on voting rights and why it's why it's even important. We do a lot of, um, in our youth engagement sessions, we create sessions for um, you know, civic rights. 
where our young people are the forefront, you know, advocating for their rights, uh, educating communities about the constitution, about the laws, and also what rights they need to be aware of. So I can say uh, those three key rights form part of our organization, and we are the forefront to really make sure that we are advocating for them in all our sectors. Thank you so much, Marian, and I totally agree with you. Uh, education is really needed uh, to foster youth participation and, of course, spread uh, the values of justice and democracy. Um, so you are um, a co-founder of an NGO, and there are many young people today that are considering working or creating a non-profit organization. What is the process of creating a new NGO? Uh, I mean, it's good to be ambitious, it's good to dream, but by the end of the day, it's good to define your intention of starting something. So one of the stages is define your mission and vision, the why you want to start. And it's good to clearly define your goals and objectives so that when you get to start the NGO, then you're sure of what you're getting into, you know. Uh, because we've seen a lot of people just starting NGOs for the sake of without really understanding what the process is, what effort it would need, you know, what kind of sacrifice it would require. So it's good to get ready and get to understand what it entails. Two, it's good to do some research and planning. And by research, I mean um, try to assess some of the organizations that are existing, what are they addressing? And what are you coming to address? What are the gaps? It's good to develop something that will address something unique that has not been addressed. So that by the end of the day, uh, we are not addressing the same, same thing using the same, same interventions. Sometimes the results might be the same. So it's good to do some very good research and planning and this includes doing a needs assessment in the geographical area you want to uh, create, you know, establish the NGO, really understand what are the needs of that area so that you're not using a top-down approach, but you're using a, a bottom-up approach by making sure community is at the center of your work. And thirdly, uh, I think, and maybe the last would be, I know, just like... Uh, also have the right networks and having the right networks would mean get to spaces and network just make contacts build relationships with like-minded people because by the end of the day we are able to get new ideas from other people that will enrich you know our idea on what we want to create or establish and the last one, maybe now choose a name. I don't want to get into the specificities or the details. This could just be found anywhere. But I was just giving, I was just sharing some of those unique, unique things that young people have to observe whenever they want to start something. Because we are all dreamers, we, we envision. But by the end of the day, it's good to understand the process so that once you get to it, you're ready. Thank you so much. So we, we can say that today's international system um, can be really, um, can, can uh, make young people feel very disheartened. Uh, what do you think about the United Nations and what advice would you give to the Secretary General? 
yeah thank you thank you for that julia and it's it's good that we're even speaking about it yeah i think i've had a lot of young people complain and just expressing their dissatisfaction around working with un and other international organizations them saying you need to know somebody to get into this space i think one of my um one of my advices would be um one of the most fulfilling relationships with international institutions is one in which we the youth are not seen as beneficiaries but, but rather as partners and by this i mean uh, whenever we are even called for meetings by the international organizations let's demonstrate our value let's speak our value you know because once we are seen to be speaking value then our engagement is likely to be long term you know let let's not be seen as beneficiaries that is one and th this goes down to young people honing their craft what are you good at am i good at youth engagement am i an expert on that am i able to really speak about it and contribute to policies on it to a point that you know uh, this is the only thing i can do and i can really do it well so that by the end of the day we are getting into these spaces with international systems and we are able to really make decisions and negotiate and have conversations just like them and two would be um it's also good to position ourselves for those who want to start organizations that is a very good avenue to even wanting to collaborate with international organizations sometimes it may not be as working with the international organizations, but just collaboration, you know, just partnering with them. You may never be an employee of the UN, you know, but one day if you start an organization and really grow it to some level, you may you may be funded by the UN, you may be partnering by the UN, and I feel like that is one of the most fulfilling relationships. What kind of advice I'd give to the SG for United Nations is one, prioritize initiatives that empower young people through education, skills development, and employment opportunities. Because then these three key things are, the, are really key issues that revolve around the development of youth and women. Two is prioritize youth inclusion in decision-making spaces at the local, national, and global level. I mean, and by youth inclusion, we mean meaningful youth engagement. How can the UN ensure that young people are central to their work by making sure they are at the center of even making decisions? And third and last is prioritize comprehensive and intersectional approaches to youth and women's issues. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really hope that the Secretary General can listen to your advices. Um, just to conclude our wonderful conversation, can I ask you to provide a brief encouragement to young people about the world's future? Thank you. Um, so, Julia, I think I'll tell any young person today is that the future, the future is the youth and the future is now. And basically, we are the youth. And so the present and the future is youth. We are today's duty bearers and tomorrow's power holders. Are we ready for that? And so I would encourage any young person out there to take it upon themselves to contribute to development processes at the local, national, and global level in whichever way. By the end of the day, their little contributions 
plug into the global goal, you know, the global sustainable development goals, the global goal of making sure like the youth are at the forefront. So to any youth out there and listening to this, I think it's good that you're a youth. But one thing about being a youth is that it goes away, the energy goes away. It's good to take advantage of our numbers right now. The demographic dividend is to our advantage. And I hope that we can use the numbers to contribute positively to our societies, you know, making sure we engage in decision making, making sure we are speaking out our voices, you know, making sure we are being heard, because then that is what matters. Yeah. Thank you very much for all of your answers as for this uh, wonderful conversation. Thank you for being our guest today in this new episode of Who Rules the World podcast. Welcome. It was nice. This was an episode of the Who Rules the World podcast. For the new episodes, tune in to the Spotify or other platforms.